Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This episode of CMI, Chris Myers Interviews, brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. You can get in on all the action, including a new NBA playoff bracket contest, kind of like a March Madness in, in September, and it gives you more chances to win. Plus, baseball is continuing to push through the summer. No shortage of ways to get in on the action there, as Bet Online has hundreds of odds and futures and props for you to bet on. Matchups, pitchers, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, ways you can kind of take advantage. So every sport gives you that opportunity to take advantage. Remember, the the casino never closes at Bet Online. It's always there for you to check out and enjoy whatever you're into. Having action on something can make it a lot more exciting. Head to the website today. Sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. You can sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code Podcast One. That's Podcast spell out O N E Podcast One, and you'll get your sign up bonus. So visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code podcast one for your sign up bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts he's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades freeze end zone he hit it 500 career touchdown passes from super bowls to the world series he's been there he'll be there and he's here now for cmi the chris myers interview Good to have on CMI the Chris Myers interview here on Podcast One Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, now businessman. He's been a broadcaster. I've covered him through the years and have talked to him about a, a number of, of things. Warren, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, you know, just trying to maneuver through this whole pandemic we've all been going through over the last uh, six, seven months and uh, trying to keep all my family together and, and, and and make sure that they're uh, they're they're taken care of. Making sure all the kids are are staying occupied and, and not playing too many video games and things like that. <laughs> so all the different things you need to do as a parent and as a grandparent. Now I have I have uh, seven grandkids now, so I've got uh, a lot of little ones running around. Wow, a grand a grandfather already. How, what have you observed about the sports you've been able to watch so far on on television in the current environment we're in? Well. I love what the NBA is doing with the bubble uh, in, in uh, Florida at, at Disney World. I, I think it's been a big success so far uh, as far as, you know, none of the players, I think, have tested positive for the virus since they've been in there. You know, they had a couple of guys that have gone out and gotten into a little mischief. But other than that, uh, it's really been a, a good situation for them. Uh, I think the way that uh, you know, the soccer the soccer teams did the same thing. They, they had a couple of cases at the beginning, but after that they got things turned around. You know, baseball has had a little bit more of a problem, um, especially with the, uh, the, the Cardinals and, and the Marlins, you know, with, with a lot of uh, virus cases. But I think they've kind of turned that whole situation around too as well. So a lot of it is, is put on players. You know, the player is going to have to be a lot more responsible when they're out on their own and have free time. I think the teams, the organizations and that are going to do a great job of of uh, creating a, an atmosphere within their facilities where they're going to be safe, where they're going to be tested, where they're going to do all the different uh, social distancing and, and all the things that are, are required. But uh, once you get out there after the day is over, you know, you're talking about 18 to 20 year old guys in college. You're talking about young guys in the pros. Uh, you don't know what they're going to do once they leave that facility. So they're going to have to be a lot more responsible to make sure that they don't, um, 
affect everybody else on the football team or the base, baseball team or basketball team when they go out and try and do something uh, a little bit more fun. We understand what we're dealing with, a contagious virus. We, we, we know the seriousness, and then there's a lot of uncertainty. But, but considering, let's just say safety first, Warren, and, and you were a professional athlete, you're in the business side of things, how important is sports to, to our country? And, and even just from a psyche standpoint of having something else, to, even if it's from a distance and adjusting to some of the new things we have to adjust to, where, where would you place that? Just the mental health, maybe, of, of our country. Yeah, I mean, just for the fact that our country has always been one of the powers in athletics, uh, you know, over, over the decades, whether it's in the Olympics uh, you talk about the way we dominate in basketball. I mean, nobody comes close to us in football. I'm sure soccer uh, is not as big a sport here, you know, as it is around the world, but uh, baseball the same way. So, you know, we dominate in a lot of these sports, and, and uh, that's something that we're proud of, and, and, and we wear that, that badge with honor. And now to not have that and have it taken away from us, and it's, it's a part of our fabric as far as what people – look to and depend on for their entertainment uh, each and every day. We, you know, we have fantasy leagues out there. There's, there's millions of people involved in those. So people really take a huge interest in, in professional and in college sports here in this country. And to have that taken away, that was a huge blow, like you said, to the psyche uh, of this country. So to have these things coming back, it, it just makes people feel much more better about themselves. And it kind of helps them get away from some of the things that they're dealing with each and every day, which is something that sports has always done for, for people in this country. It's, it's kind of a getaway for two or three hours out of their day to uh, not think about what, what uh, might be going on in their lives. And they just have some entertainment, something they can really get into. So we finally got that back. And I think people are a lot more happy about that. Yeah, not necessarily seeking normal, but just some hope out there. And it's been said that America runs on football. We talked about sports, the influence overall. The quarterbacks, the names of quarterbacks that moved prior to this this season, whether it be Tom Brady or Rivers or Cam Newton or Nick Foles, I mean, the success and, and the accomplishment of these guys. Have you ever seen anything like it in all years, uh, years of playing, broadcasting, and just observing the game? No, I really haven't. And that's a position that most teams try and nail down and, and have that guy nailed down for, for you know, numbers of years because he tends to be the future of their, their organization. And, and to have as much movement as they had this year with the quarterback position is just kind of unheard of. But it was really exciting, too. I think it really added something to, to free agency this year, having you know guys like Tom Brady and that, being able to move around to different teams, what was going to go on to – with, uh, with with Dak Prescott, I mean, all the drama that went along with all these different quarterbacks, what was going to happen with them, I think, really added to the free agency period this year because if it wasn't for those guys, it wasn't a whole lot else going on, I thought, in free agency. So uh, the quarterbacks really added a, you know, a, big, a big punch to it. And, it was, again, it was something that we needed back during that time. That was when the pandemic really first started and, and all the other – active sports had been shut down so they were still able to do free agency still able to do the draft and things like that and it made those a lot more interesting no preseason games how important is the actual practice especially when we talk about quarterbacks either with new teams but just in a general sense give us a little more detail on how much you can wing or get away with that uh, warren or then how much you actually need and when you're at the professional level 
You know, Chris, I always believed in, in, in training camp and I always believed in preseason because you had to get yourself ready for the, for the regular season. Um, I don't think we needed four games, but if you really look at it, if you look at the starters on teams with a four-game preseason, they probably played the equivalent of a whole game if you, if you took all the time that they spent over those four games of the preseason. You know, those, they'll, they'll play a, a series or two in the first game, maybe a quarter, quarter and a half the second game. Then they make them go a little bit longer in the third game, into, maybe into the third quarter. Then they don't play at all the fourth quarter. So if you, if you could, I mean the fourth game. So if you combine all that time, those first three games, it's about a, a little bit more than a, than a game of which it's your quarters you, that your starters are really playing in a preseason game. So they're not being exposed that much. It's mainly for the younger guys to see what you have as far as the depth of your football team. And that's what's important because when you go through a whole football season, uh, you know, it's a marathon and you, you have to make sure you have good depth because guys are going to go mm-hmm. down. And the only way you're going to know who you have to to replace those guys that are starters is your young guys, and you have to give them a really good look. And, and to not be able to give these guys a look this year, I think is going to really hurt a lot of football teams uh, from a depth standpoint because you really don't know what you have. Um, and, and I really think because of the way the game is going to be produced this year with probably no no fans in the crowd at most stadiums, um, some 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 stadiums might have you know a small percentage of people, but that's going to be a different look and feel for these guys and what they're used to, and to not even have one one practice game just to see what that whole thing feels like. I think it's a mistake to start the season, you know, cold turkey that way. If you look at basketball, they had practice games before they got up and going. Baseball did the same thing. So did hockey, and so did soccer. So those players had a chance to get a feel for what it was going to be like when it started for real. In football, they won't have that chance because they're not having any preseason games. And I think it's going to be a big eye-opener when these guys run into these big, wide-open stadiums with no fans trying to get used to this, the way this game is going to be produced this year. It's going to be a whole different production, even from your standpoint, from the from the television yeah. standpoint, uh, from the way it's broadcast and all that. It's going to be totally different, and nobody's going to get a chance to – get a feel for that at least one time. Were you surprised that Tom Brady left the Patriots and, and even how it was done? I, I think there's maybe more to the story. Maybe not. I mean, maybe we're just looking for more because of the greatness of, of his time in New England and with Bill Belichick. But, but what's your overview on that? You know, I think Tom was just ready for a change. And you just don't see many players, if, if, if any, play for one football team for 20 years. Uh, a lot of people talked about Aaron Rodgers having a first-round pick quarterback drafted ahead of him this year with you know with with Jordan Love. Well, he's been with that organization for 15 years. Most guys don't play with one organization that long, so I think it's it's uh, it makes a lot of sense that the Patriots were starting to maybe look down the road to see who the re- replacement was for for Tom. And I think if Tom still wanted to play and feels like he can physically and mentally then if it's not going to happen in New England, yeah, you try and find the next best place uh, to go and, and finish your career. When I saw Joe Montana get traded years ago, I knew that any player in the National Football League was expendable because of what he had done with the 49ers. So this is a game that if you stay one place too long, eventually uh, your number is going to be called and, and you're going to be asked to, to either uh, be traded or uh, play out your contract or maybe even cut. So uh, 
this is the game of football. It's a business, and they're always looking for the next younger guy and the next replacement going down the road. But, you know, Tom is in a situation where he still has, I think, a couple of good years left, and he, and he found a good place to go in Tampa. They're very loaded offensively, so I think it's going to make his job a little bit more easier as far as not having to carry the football team with his arm. And uh, I think it was a good choice for him. Aaron Rodgers, whom you mentioned, do you expect that he'll finish his career with another team or with the Packers? Which way were you leaning? I, I think it just depends on how much longer he can really play at this level. Um, you know, Aaron is a guy who creates a lot of his plays with his legs. Of course, he can throw the ball from the pocket, but he makes more of his spectacular plays when he gets outside of the pocket. At some point, he's going to start to lose some of that ability to do that. And uh, I don't know if he'll be the same quarterback. So it just depends on how long he wants to play, how, how, how um, healthy he is. And we'll see over the next couple of years, which I think he'll still be in Green Bay over the next couple of years, if he's still healthy enough, if he doesn't sustain any type of injuries, or if his game starts to, to diminish a little bit. The Packers are just making sure they prepare for the future just in case because, uh, again, he's been in the league for 15 years. That's a long time for any player. Yeah, and you would know, having played professionally for two and a half decades, started, I know, with the Canadian Football League, Edmonton Eskimos, and then the Oilers, the then Houston Oilers, uh, went on to be the Titans. But then the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Chiefs. How, how old were you when you retired? What was your last game action? What age were you? My last um, year was 2000. I was 44 years old. But, you know, I even, I even look back to my Houston Oilers days where – I played there for 10 years, but I had also played six years in Canada. So that was 16 years into my career. Even though I had gone to six straight Pro Bowls and we were coming off of a 12-4 and four season, I got traded that year because they were looking at the younger quarterback and how much longer can Warren you know, play at this level at 37 years old. So they traded me to the Vikings. I ended up playing longer, but they didn't know that. They're looking at what history has told them, and history has told them most quarterbacks start to lose – uh, you know, what they have somewhere around, you know, between 33 and 36 years old. And then after that, they think their uh, their their uh, skills start to diminish. So I was a little bit different, just like Tom has been. Uh, so you're not always right in those decisions. And, and, and our general manager in Houston, Floyd Reese at the time, he, two years later told me he made a mistake in trading me because he, he didn't think I'd be able to keep playing at that at that stage. But that's the that's the gamble that you take in, in having an organization because they're always looking for that younger, less expensive guy to take your place. Yeah, and, and not only did you play, I mean, you played at a, at a very high level, uh, Pro Bowl uh, MVP in 1998. I mean, the numbers through the Vikings, Seahawks, and even Kansas City years. And, and Warren, you in 2006 went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, and were the first quarterback, black quarterback, to go into the hall, to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame, first undrafted uh, quarterback, and, and the only player to be in both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Canadian Football Hall of Fame. But, but I want to talk to you about the progress from that point. We just said Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. You look at Lamar Jackson. Uh, is, are you comfortable enough now? And, and you can talk about, we'll spend some time on what you had to go through. And we know, obviously, going undrafted. In fact, then they had 12 rounds in, in a draft, as good as you were in college, and then having to go play in Canada so that they would notice uh, that quarterback position. But are, how comfortable are you now with the way the a black quarterback wanting to play quarterback is given the opportunity 
You know, I'm very comfortable with it now, and, and I think that's the key word, just giving guys opportunities because that's all I really wanted back when I came out of college was an opportunity to show if, if I could play at the NFL level or not. And there wasn't any teams that were willing to give me that opportunity. So that's why I had to go to Canada because they were. And I wanted to continue to play quarterback where a lot of teams in the NFL wanted me to change positions, and I just wasn't going to do that. So um, I think because of the way I was able to play – when I got into the league and, and the way Doug Williams played and Randall Cunningham, we were the three African-Americans really playing during that time, which was the late 80s and the early 90s. I, I think the way we played really opened up the eyes of a lot of owners, a lot of general managers, and, and a lot of coaches that these guys can play at a high level. And, and I think that's why you started to see the next generation of guys be drafted a lot higher and a lot more guys getting more opportunities. So, that's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of in my career is that I, I played well enough to help make change and be a part of, be a little part of that uh, change that was made at the at the uh, quarterback position in the National Football League. And and now you you probably could say five of the top ten quarterbacks in the league right now are African Americans, and and uh, there's a lot more you know in the pipe. So uh, I'm really proud of the fact that that uh, these guys are getting a chance to show what they can do. They're doing it at a high level. And uh, they're being endorsed very well. They're being paid very well. Uh, the position's in, in really good shape right now for African-American quarterbacks. So, and you were actually told that they didn't want you to play the position because of your color, or did they just indicate, well, we don't believe, even though we've seen you throw the football, that at the next level you're not qualified? Or However, you tell us, tell me how they worded it, how, how, you, how the message was clear to you. Yeah, they would never come out and just say that. I mean, that would be showing even privately, I mean, racism. Would... So if they give you all these different excuses. I was told I was too short by uh, some people I was told I was too small I was told my arm wasn't strong enough and I probably had one of the stronger arms that you know that, that's anybody that's played this game so the reasons they gave that they just weren't you know solid reasons but they were reasons that they could hide behind the fact that that uh, it was really because of the color of my skin and and if I would have been like a Doug Williams who was you know a first round draft pick the year I came out I don't know if Doug would have been went in the first round if John McKay wouldn't have drafted him at Tampa Bay, I think, with the 17th pick or something like that. Because John McKay had had African-American quarterbacks at USC, so he was used to them. And if Doug should have been drafted somewhere in the top five or ten in the draft because he was a he was the top-rated quarterback coming out that year out of Grambling, but he went all the way down you know, to 17 because of John McKay. And if John McKay doesn't draft him, he might not have been in the first round. So that just kind of shows, you know, where the mindset of people were back then that if you if they didn't think you could help them right away, they weren't going to put the time in to develop you or do anything like that. But if they felt like you could help them right away, then they'd give you a little bit more of an opportunity. One thing I didn't ever want to do is, is be one of those guys that whined, you know, that said, woe is me, I'm not getting my opportunity. And I think a lot of that came from my mom, uh, Chris. When my dad died when I was seven years old, she could have had that same attitude, but but she didn't. She, um, she went back to school. She became a, a nurse. Uh, she took care of our family. I have six sisters and, and myself as the only boy. And I watched how my mother navigated um, our household and, and made everything work as far as having hot meals for us every day and clean clothes for our backs and providing opportunities for me to play sports, all the different things that, that I was able to do, the sacrifices she made. So I think a lot of my makeup came from watching what she did at a very young age 
And when I got to that point where things got a little bit tough for me, instead of saying, woe is me, I just went to work and started working harder, just like she did, and uh, just kept waiting for my opportunity to happen, whether it was in high school, having to go to junior college for a year before I could get a major college scholarship or going to Canada for, you know, six years before I finally got signed into the NFL. If, if the opportunity wasn't there, I was going to make the most of the opportunity that I did have and keep moving on. And, and I think a lot of that I got from her, that determination. Remember when the head football coach Jim Morris said playoffs? What do you mean playoffs? Well, if you said playoffs now, the NBA and the NHL are in full swing for their playoffs, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. This episode of CMI, Chris Myers Interviews, brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. You can get in on all the action, including a new NBA playoff bracket contest, kind of like a March Madness in, in September, and it gives you more chances to win. Plus, baseball is continuing to push through the surf. No shortage of ways to get in on the action there, as Bet Online has hundreds of odds and futures and props for you to bet on. Matchups, pitchers, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, ways you can kind of take advantage. So every sport gives you that opportunity to take advantage. Remember, the casino never closes at Bet Online. It's always there for you to check out and enjoy whatever you're into. Having action on something can make it a lot more exciting. Head to the website today. Sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. You can sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code Podcast One. That's Podcast Spell Out O N E Podcast One, and you'll get your sign up bonus. So visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code podcast one for your sign up bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts and there were some problems or missteps along the way uh, off the field or, or away from your profession how were you able to to navigate through that what did you lean on most you hear noise from the outside you hear accusations you're a public figure uh, whatever the details were involved. I'm looking more for, we all face uh, different types of things in our life like that uh, beyond where we're comfortable, let's say on the football field or in the, in the job, and it, it creates challenges for us. Yeah, it really does. And when you're in a high-profile position, um, you have a lot of darts sometimes thrown at you, and, and, and you, you're a target sometimes. And, and you know, I was, was a target, and, and uh, people try to take advantage of that. But as far as tr- the dealing with it, you know, it was tough to deal with because you're talking about your integrity and your, your character uh, is being is being challenged. And, and that's something I, I um, worked very hard, you know, not so much I wanted people to, to see me a certain way, but that's the type of person I think I've always been and tried to be. And then to have somebody come and, and try and tear that down, it's very devastating. So, yeah, it was it was hard. Um, but you, you try and rely on the people that do love and care about you, that do know you for who you are, and you try and rely on your faith as well uh, you know, to keep you uh, to keep you going. So those are the things that have kept me going, and, and I've really um, I've really been happy to have and be blessed with a great family around me that that has gave me a lot of uh, support. And I've had great I have great friends and relationships not only in sports but in all different areas of business and whatever that that uh, know who I am as a person and know what my character and my integrity is. And you're involved in uh, Sports One Marketing, and you have been for some time. There's a CBD product that you are endorsing? It's called Sweet Earth, and it's, uh, it's manufactured in, you know, in Oregon, and uh, it's, it's great uh, topical cream products, 
Uh, they also have a, an athletic line where they have different, uh, you know, different rubs uh, for, for sore muscles and different things like that. And they also have dog treat products uh, in dog food. So uh, it's really going well. It's only been on the market now for about a year, but uh, sales are starting to go through the roof. And uh, I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I've learned more and more about the, the CBD products. And, and if I, I really use them and it really helps me because I do have some 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 wear and tear from my football <laughs> days, if you can believe, and and uh, some of these products are really helping me as far as uh, you know keeping me uh, keeping me active and and keeping some of the soreness out of my body, especially when I work out. So at Sweet Earth, is there a website, uh, Warren, or yeah, just SweetEarthCBD.com? Okay, well check it out. And I, I that's I, I wanted to ask you about the longevity of your career to play as long as you did at a position. And back in the day, Warren, not to sound like you know, our, our dads are talking about when, when quarterbacks could, could get beat up pretty good when they could really uh, come after you. Yeah. What was the key to your uh, staying in, in physical shape to, to, to be so durable uh, over the 20-plus years you played? You know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, uh, I really took really good care of my body. I was, I was probably more of a weightlifter than most quarterbacks were. Um, I was really big on my flexibility, so I think that's something that helped me, especially in the pocket when people are falling at your feet and falling at your your legs all the time. I, I always had active feet when I was in the pocket, so I never was going to stand there flat-footed. When I threw the ball, I was on the move. I was taught when I was in college that every time you throw a ball, you should you should try and cover to the side as you throw the ball, just in case the ball is picked off. That you're going to be in you know in chase of the of the football. So I've always I've been able to throw the ball and be on the move and moving outside and, and keeping myself out of harm's way. Um, but a lot of it is just from the grace of God, too. I did have some injuries throughout my career, but no major ones like, a you know, a torn knee or right. a rotator cuff or something like that. But I did have some fractures and different things like that where I did miss some games. And, and that's going to happen when you play 23 years of, of a violent sport like professional football. Yeah, and to be able to play into your 40s. And I've talked to some pitchers who've done different things with arms, you know, whether it's submerging it in rice or something underwater. Or uh, did you do anything specific? Okay, you're given God give, gave you the, the good arm, but then you had to take care of it or have it, you know, stay functional for as many years. Was there anything special, any old old time secret there that you could share with us, or that you yeah, recommend I for quarterback? I had, a, I had a routine that I went through that I started when I was with the Houston Oilers with our strength and conditioning coach Steve Watterson, and I incorporated that every stop uh, that I went to uh, after Houston. Uh, I got my rotator cuff stretched out every day before I went out to practice. I went through a, you know, a certain warm-up period of, of, of different throws before I even got into the practice. And then as you got older, you wanted to make sure that you, um, you didn't take too many reps. You know? and, and that's something I think Tom Brady's going to have to look at you know, as he gets older, especially playing down in that heat and humidity of Tampa. Uh, it, it'll tend to, you know, to take more out of your body playing in that type of weather. Uh, but I got it stretched out every day, and then I came in and had it iced every day after I got done, almost like a baseball pitcher would do. I read Oral Hershiser's book, and I also read Nolan Ryan's book, and, and it, it talked about the treatment of their arms in those books, and I got some things from them, too, as far as there's a milking process where you try and milk the elastic acid out of you, out of lactic acid out of your arm uh, after you get done uh, um, throwing the football, too. And especially in two-a-days after the second practice, I would – 
have our trainer go through that that process with me too. So I did a lot of different things to keep myself uh, healthy. You know, I did massage twice a week. I went to the chiropractor twice a week. Sometimes I did acupuncture. So it, it was a process that I went through to keep myself healthy. But again, a lot of it was just from the grace of God keeping me out of harm's way. And mentioning books, you wrote a book some time ago, and this relates to a little bit of what we talked about uh, your climb through your career. Never give up on your dream, my journey. And in I know in there you talk about being a victim of, of racism and you just talked about the progress at the quarterback position. Different progress made recently with the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins, where they hired Jason Wright, a uh, former player, also very active in the business, the first black team president we've seen in, in uh, NFL history officially in that position. I know you, you, you talked about it. You were very proud of that, that moment. Uh, why don't you correlate the two about the, the progress and what this means for us? opportunity maybe in the front office just like you had to kind of work help work your way through the quarterback position yeah I was really happy for Jason and, and also Ron Rivera who's also a minority uh, the head coach there they're they're trying to come into Washington and change a culture there that I guess that wasn't uh, very healthy for for all their workers so you know hopefully he'll be another uh, key addition to that and that's one of the areas where um, professional sports especially football needs to do a better job of creating more opportunities for, for uh, minorities and African-Americans is in the front office, general managers, and, and also uh, presidents. And so Jason becomes the first African-American president, and I'm hoping that'll just lead you know, to some more opportunities for, for other guys down the line that are, that are qualified for those type of jobs because the Rooney Rule, as is, is we, we know about it, hasn't really worked the way it was intended to work. So I know the NFL has been tinkering it with different – uh, ways to create more opportunities for, for African-Americans and minorities to get interviews and different things like that. I don't think they've come up with anything that I really agree with, but at least they're, they're conscious of it and they're trying to create some, some different ideas uh, to make that rule a little bit uh, more advantageous for African-Americans and minorities. Yeah, and I don't know the exact title, or maybe it's changed over time as he's kind of eased into to his retirement talk. But Ozzie Newsom, a former player, has done an amazing job uh, with the Ravens organization. He really has, and I, you know, he stepped down last year, but the the uh, the foundation that he built there was was just amazing. They, you know, they won a couple of Super Bowls during his time, and and it's just a very solid organization the way it's run. So. Uh, you know, he's one of the guys that can be very proud that, that he did a great job while he was in that position. And like I said, having guys like him uh, perform like that, I think it opens people's eyes that these guys can do it. African-Americans can do it. Now it's just going out there and finding the right guy that fits your team and fits your culture. And an opportunity too, maybe more uh, ownership by black African Americans who who I know there's some partial and, and you know interest in teams, but to, to, to have own and run an entire team fully, uh, I, I think would, would open yeah, that's going to change every, everything. When whenever you're in an ownership position, now you you call all the shots and and you hire the type of people that you want to hire, and you know it makes sense that you know for a white owner, you know to to uh, hire predominantly white white people because those are people that he's either got relationships with or or comfortable being around and that type of thing and it will be the same thing for african-americans of course you want to try and hire the most qualified people but there's definitely circumstances where you're going to hire people that are that you think are going to be loyal to you or the relationships you've had for a long time or business relationships whatever it might be but there aren't a lot of qualified 
minorities out there that should be getting some of these jobs as well. Have you ever thought about trying to coordinate an ownership team? You know, Alex Rodriguez was in baseball with the New York Mets. I mean, you, you, you know, you need uh, financial. We all could use, unless you're some zillionaire rolling around, right? Somebody to get on board with you and, and lead the way. Have you ever looked into that for, in your, your business years? You know, I've had some groups um, approach me over the years, but they just weren't strong enough for what I thought the NFL was going to be looking for. You got to remember that's a very close knit group of guys, those, those 32 owners. And, and not only do you not have, I mean, not only do you just have to have the money, you also have to uh, be somebody that you think will fit in with that group. So uh, that's a big part of it as well. And I, and I, I think uh, there are going to be some opportunities for people coming up here, but as every year that goes by these NFL franchises, they just, they just, the way they go up in in uh, in worth is, is amazing. It's, yes, the Dallas Cowboys are what are they worth like dollars <laughs> now or something like that? Five billion dollars. Uh, that's a lot of Lincoln and Jackson, man, for for anybody to come up with. So um, uh, it's it's probably going to take you know partners in order to be able to do something like that, especially for some African American groups. But hopefully that will happen because that's the next step. We need more African American ownership. Have you had young young black quarterbacks reach out to you at all for advice on not just the game, but but handling the other part of things? Oh yeah, I've talked to many guys over the years. Uh, you know, Cam Newton was a guy that I was very close to coming out of college. I helped get him ready for the uh, for the NFL draft and the combine. Uh, you know, I've had relationships with, um, with Deshaun Watson, uh, with uh, Jameis Winston. Um, there's a lot of different guys that I I might I'm either you know, texting with throughout the season, just sending them positive messages or whatever. Try not to give them too much advice because they have a lot of people in their ear. They have their own advisors. They have their own coaches. They have their own offensive coordinators. But if it's something I see that I think I can help them or, or send them, you know, some type of positive message or when I see them at an event or something like that, we always get together and talk. You know, I, I get a lot of respect from those young guys. What's the one thing you would tell Lamar Jackson right now? Just be careful. Um, he handles the ball a lot, and he's dynamic. He's as dynamic a guy at that position as we've seen, you know, since Michael Vick. But we also saw Michael Vick, um, you know, get hurt. You know, he he broke it. He, I think he either tore his knee up or broke his leg or something like that running the football. And when you run the football, I think he I think he touched it 170 times last year. That's a lot of times. He's a young guy right now, but how much longer can he sustain that uh, without something tragic happening to him? So that's the, the main thing I, I say to him, and that's something I told Russell Wilson a lot when he first came in the league. Just be smart when you run. Don't let anybody take that, that ability away from you because that dual threat is something that a lot of people wish they had. But you want to make sure when, when you can get out of bounds, you get out of bounds. When you can get on the ground, you get on the ground. Don't try and make an extra yard or be a hero and, and take an unnecessary hit uh, because the, the the key for a quarterback is to be able to be available every week for your team. And, and when you're not available, it's a big drop-off between number one and number two. So just make sure you're being careful 
when you take when you have that ball in your hand as much as he does. Russell Wilson has exhibited that so well from day one. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer, uh, and he, he has told me, and I know you called his games, well, you know, I, I, when I run, I'm looking to throw. And obviously, when he has no choice, he runs. But he does take care of himself, and, and, and his longevity has shown that. Uh, Hall of Famer in your mind already? He's, yeah, he's right there. I mean, he keeps taking this team to, to, to uh, the playoffs. He's been the two Super Bowls, one, one. Uh, and what his numbers have been individually, yeah, I think he's there, especially for the number of years he's already been in the league. Another couple of solid years, no question, hands down. Yeah, and I had a fan ask me already, uh, and this may sound like a silly question, but you're a Hall of Famer. So you, is, is Patrick Mahomes a Hall of Famer? Not yet. Um, he's had a tremendous run for two years. Uh, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen over the next uh, 8, 10, 12 years. So um, he is off to a great, great start, probably the best start of any quarterback to ever play the game. But the Hall of Fame is all about, you know, the longevity of your career and what you did over a period of time. So he's got some time to go, but he's on his way. There's no question about it. Yeah, we've talked with Dan Fouts yourself, guys who put in, had the numbers, put in the time, uh, didn't get uh, didn't get that ring, didn't get a Super Bowl. I know in Canada you had five, was it five great, uh, great cup titles, which is equivalent to their, their Super yeah. Bowl. I know you're in their Hall of Fame. And two, twice you were the MVP, I recall. Right. I, I had a lot of success up there, and, and um, you know, we had some good teams in Houston. I, I thought a couple of teams that I played on had Super Bowl potential, but we just didn't get it done in the big game in the playoffs. And we, uh, we came up short. But um, when you play the game of football, that's what you're playing for as an as a NFL player is trying to win a championship. And I did way more things in the game than I ever thought that I would, you know, coming into it, especially given the fact that nobody wanted me to play the position. That's the, <laughs> that's the one regret that I have is that, that I didn't, uh, didn't win a Super Bowl, wasn't on a Super Bowl winning team. But uh, I have so many more other things to be proud of that, that, like I said, never thought I would accomplish. Yeah, or just were just the idea that had you been able to play in the NFL earlier to combine that, you know, and I'm glad people respect your overall professional football numbers. I know the NFL is different, you know, than the CFL and, and the leagues, but but what you were able to do, how, how emotional do all these thoughts that we've talked about, how much did they go through your mind when you made that speech in, in 2006, when you were enshrined in, in Canton, a place reserved for just the, the, the best ever of the best. I mean, that's that's got to be special and touching yeah it, it really was because that was one of the best weekends of my life to um be able to share that with my mom to be able to share that with my my family and friends and all my you know all my coaches and, and teammates that were able to be there but it was also huge to have marlon briscoe there to have james harris there to have doug williams there these are guys that that uh were african-american quarterbacks that really had some tough times themselves and and uh, I felt like a, a part of me going into the Hall of Fame, there was a small part of those guys going with me because those were guys that I looked up to, you know, in the game, come, you know, coming through the ranks. And then Doug and I being in the same class became pretty good friends. Um, so there was a lot of people I was thinking about when, when uh, I was up there giving that speech. And, and the day I was told that I was selected, um, you know, I, I cried like a baby. It, when I when I got the phone call, just because of all the things that I went through, just came out, just came pouring out of me at that time. And like you said, I'm not a guy that that shows a lot of emotion. I, I try and stay cool and calm at all times. 
but I, I just couldn't hold it back at that time because it was one of the most emotional moments that I've uh, I've ever had in my life over anything. Yeah. Now, I think we always appreciate the the emotion in in athletes in in people in general. Before we wrap up here, of the veteran quarterbacks that have changed teams, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, uh, Nick Foles, Philip Rivers, you know that when all, when this season, we don't know what kind of season it's going to end up being. And by the time we get to the end of the year, uh, who do you think is going to going to be the most successful, or, or would you rank them? How would you rank them from and, and talk more about? I know it's a team game, but also what what they do as well. So you can combine the two on that thought. Broad question but interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think Tom is going to have really good success only because he's, he's seen everything. Uh, you see how he's, how he's attacked this thing from the time, even through the pandemic, he's out there with players when he's not supposed to be out there. He's getting fined by parks because he's, he's out in the parks with groups of people. The guy is just a relentless competitor. Um, so you, you combine the fact that you've got this – ultra competitive guy going to a team that's very, very talented. I think he's going to, he's going to have success in Tampa. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have good success in Indianapolis only because of the relationship between him and Frank Reich that goes back to when he was with the Chargers. So his learning curve isn't going to be as, as, uh, as wide as, as most other quarterbacks going from a team that they don't really know the offense you know, Nick Foles is not the starter right now in, in Chicago, but a lot of people think he will be before the season's over. And he's had he's had success with uh, with Coach Nagy there before in the past, too. So I think everywhere where there were quarterbacks that had some type of uh, relationship with the coach that, that uh, they're now playing for, I think those are the guys who are going to have more success only because with with no preseason like you talked about, with a very short offseason uh, – the, the the learning part of it is going to be the biggest thing. And the more you can learn, the more you can absorb, uh, it's going to make it easier for you once you get on the field to be able to play faster because you have to be able to play fast in order to uh, to be successful in this game. If you're thinking out there and, and not sure of everything you're doing, you're not going to perform the way you want to. Yeah, especially this year, I think things will look and feel a lot different for teams in the in the later games, later part of the season than than in the early portion. No. Warren, thanks so much for your time. I always enjoy talking to you. I hope you, you take care of the family as well, and we'll uh, we'll connect again soon. Yeah, same thing with you, Chris. Thanks for having me on, and good luck with the show. All right. All right. Appreciate it. All right. You take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.